Hello, and welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are still shrinking because we're not creating places where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. So welcome. I am your host, Jen Hale Christie. Quick shout out to our awesome Patreon community, Sarah, Sheila, Steve, and Tom. I'm so grateful for your continued support. If you are listening and you haven't yet joined our Patreon community, now's a great time. You can join with a support level as low as just three bucks a month, and your support keeps this good work going, keeps all the episodes available online. So thank you. Links are in the show notes. We have a guest preacher on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's hear a word. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to, but to those who do not believe, this stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Living stone, living water, bread of life. All throughout scripture, we see that Jesus is life and he knows the very best way to live. St. Peter, the author of this epistle, learned firsthand from Jesus this way of really living. And about 30 years later, St. Peter is reminding the churches of Asia Minor how to live in an abundant way under violent persecution. This passage is nestled between two others that exhort the church to live as holy people. In these surrounding sections, Peter tells them to clean house, to rid their hearts of sin and to fill it back up with holiness. In doing so, he gives them instruction on how to quietly rebel against an oppressive empire. And it's here in verses 4 through 10 that Peter is showing them how to be holy people in an unholy empire. And he's telling them why they are holy in the first place. 
Even though our circumstances are different, we still live under violent systems of oppression, though some of us feel its effects more than others. It's right here in verses four and five that St. Peter tells us how. How do we become holy? How do we join God in bringing about the restoration of all things, though there are powerful forces fighting against us? The verse begins with the words, so come to him. Jesus once told Peter that apart from me, you can do nothing. As it was for Peter, it was for the young church, and it is for us. We cannot will ourselves to be holy, and certainly not in all circumstances, because holiness is the byproduct of a rich life with God. The universe was created by a community, the Trinity. We were created into this community, and so we were never meant to do godly work alone. And I think this is one of the greatest sins of the American church. We idolize self-reliance. We respect those who can do it on their own. And we uplift those and set those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps as examples to us all. But we cannot restore the world on our own. We must do it alongside the Lord Jesus. And so as we come to Jesus, the living stone, he makes us living stones too. And he builds us into a sanctuary, a temple in which he is the cornerstone. This is why our self-reliant culture is so problematic. One stone, even though it be living, does not form a sanctuary. So we are to be part of a sanctuary of life, a holy and restful place where the weary come as we rebel with God against evil and sin, a place of abundance in a world of scarcity. And so we must never give into the constant do-it-yourself message of our society by remembering that in order to bring about abundant life, we need to be connected to the source of life. This is one of the reasons this temple sanctuary language is so pertinent. Temples are where we go to connect with God. But St. Peter declares that we are being built into this temple of life. We, the people of God, are the very temple through which we connect with God. It's this connection with God that facilitates our holiness. It's a connection with God that makes us priests. Peter's usage of cornerstone and stone also provides a subtle message to our modern minds that I believe would have been quite obvious to our spiritual ancestors, our spiritual interconnectedness. Even a stone on top of the cornerstone does not make a temple. A priest does not make a priesthood. As we are meant to be priests of life with God, we are also meant to be priests together. As priests of life, we are asked to offer up to God spiritual sacrifices, 
devoting our lives to the giver of life is a holy calling required of our priesthood, with each priest having their own unique offering. Discerning our offering is a common theme in life, and we often worry over it. But discernment in concert with the Lord Jesus yields a beautiful and acceptable offering that even though it be very unique, it blends together like a symphony with the callings of our fellow priests towards God's design. And in just two verses, St. Peter has said so much to us. And Jesus and together is how we begin to take up our priestly duty of helping God restore the world. And it's from here that St. Peter pivots and he quotes the prophet Isaiah and the Psalms. Peter declares that the one who trusts in the cornerstone is never put to shame. And he says, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. When we see Jesus, we ought to see him for who he is. Life, beautiful, precious the very love of our lives. He contrasts with them those who don't believe, saying that the cornerstone causes them to stumble and fall because they have rejected it. Peter says they are destined for this, but why? People who deny the image of God and others will not be able to see the image of God when he stands right before them. If you're wondering if you are truly living into your calling as a priest of life, I think this is a very good standard to ponder. Are there people or people groups you do not regard and treat as precious? That isn't a question to just sit with for one time of prayer. It's a question for many prayer times. And it's an important question And so we ought to sit before fellow priests and priestesses and ask what they have observed in the fruit our lives bear. If there is a single human being we cannot see the image of God in, then it is time to clean house. Because our ability to see the image of God in others is a direct reflection of our ability to see Jesus. This question is a very important one because we don't want to stumble over Jesus, the cornerstone. And finally, St. Peter tells us why we are to be holy and why we are holy in fact. It's because we are chosen, we are loved, and we are celebrated. The Gentiles of the first century struggled with feeling chosen and celebrated. They were constantly being compared and comparing themselves to their Jewish brothers and sisters. This is why St. Peter sounds like a broken record in this letter. Because above all, he wants the Gentiles to understand their own belovedness. Because the Gentiles were facing such persecution that the only way they would survive is if they knew down into their bones that they were chosen by God to be his co-laborers and priests. This is why coming to Jesus is so important. It is by coming to Jesus that we are reminded of our own belovedness, our chosenness. 
We cannot work our way into holiness. Instead, we are holy when we fully live into our belovedness before God. So St. Peter tells them over and over and over again, and I'll tell you again, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. But once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had received mercy, but now, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We belong to each other and to God. And because we are the beloved, the chosen, God has charged us to be his priests. And because we are priests, we are called to join Jesus in lifting up the oppressed, giving rest to the weary, and yes, even toppling empires. This is what Jesus calls abundant life. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Jen. It's good to be here. Okay, so let's talk about your sermon um, out of First Peter. So I love how you talked about, um, you mentioned that we're like, we're created in, I think you said we're created into community, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. And I thought about that in and into and kind of what both of those mean, um, you know, that we're created um, by the Trinity, you know, by a community um, of love and into, into community as well. And you talked about um, how as Americans, we really idolize um, being self-reliant and that, that that really stands in contrast to our call um, as Jesus followers um, to have Jesus. I mean, obviously that Jesus is already the cornerstone, the one that we're supposed to be depending on, right? We're supposed to be relying on Jesus, but how um, how much that is in tension and in conflict with our American, you know, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Um, what else? Okay, so you talked about also how um, we, as the people of God, are being built into the temple, um, and that that it's that temple, that sort of community temple, um, through which we all connect with God. Um, and then you said something else that was so interesting. I know I'm going to give you a minute to talk here. Um, you said we're meant to be priests of life with God um, together with one another, that all together we are priests of life. And I, I don't think I had heard that term before, um, priests of life. Um, say more about that, like what, where that inspiration come fr- came from, or have you heard that somewhere else? Um, sorry, I'm getting really emotional. Um, this concept is kind of like a, Eugene Peterson says that we all have a sermon that each of us preaches over and over and over again. And so this concept of like the Trinity and theosis that like the Trinity um, has invited us to the table. Um, mm. This is like my life sermon. And so every time I hear someone talk about it, I get a little emotional. Um, oh. Yeah. So I've ne- I don't think, you know, well, okay. So first off, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Well, so of course. I, yeah. When I'm reading uh, Christian authors, I really love it when they acknowledge that they're not saying anything new, just maybe mm-hmm. things that have been forgotten. And so, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use that phrase priests of life, 
But something that I really um, feel like God has taught me over the last three years, mostly in my apprenticeship, was that um, life with God is the absolute best way and most important way that we can live. And so because God calls us to work alongside him, I think I said this in the sermon, uh, God calls us to work alongside him as we join him in his restorative work in the Mm. world. Um, I think that we are like, I think that as his co-laborers, we are his priests of life because that's what we're doing, right? Um, We're bringing the most abundant life uh, back into God's creation. And so it just seems like a really fitting title to me that we are priests and priestess, priestess, priestesses of life. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, you also said, um, which was convicting, you said, um, if there's a single human being who we cannot see the image of God in, we need to clean house. And I thought that was so striking, especially with um, how polarized we are right now as a country. Um, I mean, I just like this morning I, I I was on my phone, so I couldn't take a screenshot, but it was so funny because there were two different friends showing up in my Facebook feed who had each posted these very polar political views. They, they were sharing something that other people wrote, but they were both like just totally vilifying the other side. And I was like, Oh, this is life right now. Like the, seeing these two posts back to back. Um, and so I think so many of us are in danger of, of not being able to see the image of God um, in certain people. You know, for some people it's easy, right? Like, I mean, you know, I look at my kids or, you know, you look at your your loved ones, your friends, your family, you know. Um, but then there are people um, who it's really hard for us to see the image of God in them, right? And it's hard for us to imagine God loving them as much as God loves other, some other people. Um, and I, I love that image of like, we've, we need to clean house. Like there's some work to do. There's some, there's some filth inside of us, you know, somewhere that's preventing us from seeing that. Um, and then the, the last point that you made, which it was so, so great. Um, you said we cannot work our way into holiness. Instead, we are holy when we fully live into our belovedness before God, which is so great. And so, um, so hard to hear for those of us who are, have this like driven type A ambitious personality who want to like, you know, get out there and produce and earn and, you know, um, and rack up accomplishments. Um, but actually the only way to get there, the only way to get to that holiness is by basically releasing all that, all that desire, you know, maybe not the desire, but releasing that, that drivenness to achieve and just sort of, I don't know. I I think about it as like a, instead of pushing forward, like a falling back into that belovedness um, that God offers us. Um, Say more about that, that part of the sermon. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting because this past summer at Tempe, we had a, um, we had a really wonderful, um, what a, a youth intern and her and I had so many wonderful talks and she kind of um, expressed this frustration with herself before God. Uh, and I really relate to that. Right. I feel like I'm at a point, um, a point in my spiritual life where at least for right now, I can see where God is taking me and I feel so frustrated by this gap, right. Mm-hmm. Um, between where I am now and this person that I know who I'm becoming. And so one of the things that, her and I talked about a lot was that um, 
the destination is not really any of your business. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like we have this idea that we have to surrender the outcomes to God. And Mm -hmm. that's so, that's so difficult because we really want to control everything about our lives. Yeah. And that is just no way to live into the Trinity. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like half of the, I really love Richard Rohr's um, divine dance imagery. Oh yeah. Yeah. Half of, maybe not even half, most of learning the dance of the Trinity is not trying, it's trying to not control what the steps are. Yeah. Right. And to just live into this freedom. Um, And so I think for me and something I was trying to impress upon her is that God loves us as completely as possible. Right. And God will, and nothing we can do will ever change that right? No matter how much we grow or how much we, I guess, digress, which I don't even like some of those terms because they are such an accomplishment words. Yeah. Um, but God loves us completely where we are. Right. And it's, it's mostly like this journey of God making us uh, sound. Right. Mm. So, uh, I, you know, we, we are safe, right? I guess when we begin our journey with God or, and, but then God doesn't want us to just be safe, right? He wants us to be sound. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what this process of, I guess, sanctification is, is us becoming sound in God. And so like, yeah, like, I don't know that that's really much of our business, exactly how we get there and the means and the methods that God uses. I, um, and I told her so much and I tell myself every single day, the only control that we have in that process is just submitting ourselves to the work of the spirit every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just totally in line with everything I've learned about spiritual disciplines, right? That we're as we engage those, those disciplines, we're just making our, we're opening ourselves up to the work of God's spirit in us. We're not effecting any change ourselves, right? Like we're, we're opening up and leaving ourselves open to that possibility of transformation. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so um, frustrating for Americans and just people in the West is that like, there's just yeah, we just can't control it. Right. We do. We like exactly like you said, we just have to sit before God and let God do his healing and restorative work in us. And that is, that's so infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It requires us, I think, to be really humble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Like if we were to compare ourselves, you know, we sometimes like to think of ourselves as pretty important or like, oh, but I can't just like sit around and wait for this. Like I got to do this thing or I got to make this thing happen. Uh, I can't wait, wait for God to, you know, reveal when the time is right or to, you know, do this thing in me or whatever. But like we see in Jesus's example, like, you know, the most important person who ever lived and walked the earth, like here he was not going after his own agenda, um, but just like over and over and over submitting himself to God's will and being patient. Um, So yeah, that's, I don't know, I guess that's the corrective for us. Like, who are we to think we're more important? <laughs> and our agenda is more important than what Jesus's was on earth. Right. And then even, um, oh, gee, the name of the name is escaping me, but there's this German the- theologian that he said this, he said, uh, proclaim Christ, die and be forgotten. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. And when I heard that something in me was just so angry, right. Uh, because we want, 
we so want to have a lasting legacy and we want people to remember us and we want our names to be carved into history. <laughs> but like, if we really are seeking the kingdom of God, like, like Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, then we aren't concerned about our own names, right? Like we can, we can proclaim Christ and then we can die and be forgotten. And that's okay because we know that because of Jesus, like we're never forgotten in this community of the Trinity, right? Yeah. Um, and so it is like, it's just one of those things of um, he must increase and I must decrease, right? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Like our own self-importance has to just totally, totally disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be hard for most of us, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know we're almost out of time, but um, you're, so you're heading back to Austin or you just got back to Austin? I just right? got back to Austin. And, and what are you doing now? Are you working at the church again? No, I'm not. And it's one of the, it's one of the weirdest things. This is the first time um, since I was a junior in college that I've not been working in ministry. Um, and I'm not going to lie, that's been really difficult for me. I've realized, like, kind of like the self-importance thing, right? I realize how much of my personal identity and worth has been tied up in, in being employed by a church or some kind of parent church organization. And yeah. so um, I, that's been a lot for me to work through. And I feel like God has really comforted me in that by framing it as this is a season of hiddenness and secrecy where I kind of like go, it's I, the imagery I have is like, I go into a cave um, with the spirit and with Jesus. And we just do this quiet hidden work that will continue to prepare me, um, pre prepare me and equip me on my journey towards, towards God. Um, but yeah, so I'm not working at all right now. And my fiance have some, we, we have some things that we're praying about and thinking about as far as the future that, Unfortunately, I am not allowed to talk about right now, but <laughs> it's so frustrating because I'm so excited about it. But yeah, right now I am. I'm just taking a season of hiddenness and it's been really good. That's cool. Well, we'll look forward to hearing what's next, hearing what comes to fruition um, out of these, these dreams and plans. Yeah, I am too. Well, I'm really excited. So I'll be really happy to share with everyone what ends up panning out. Cool. Okay, well, we'll look forward to having you again on the podcast. And thank you so much for sharing a good word for us today, an important word that we need to hear. Um, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Jen, especially with all of your work in providing a platform for women of God to share the wisdom that God has given them. It really is such important work. And I'm so thankful that you are charging forward with it. Oh, well, thank you. I I enjoy it. It's really a gift to be able to do it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you. If today you find yourself on the outside without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. 
You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash Jen Hale Christie. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at Jen Hale Christie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.